Welcome to another episode of High Energy Ballers Podcast. We've got a special guest today, Justin Brock. What's going on, brother? What is up? Another multi-billionaire meeting a multi-billionaire for an episode of High Energy Ballers. And you know the deal, man. I kind of want to start my day every day being a guest on High Energy Ballers, so I make sure I get my energy right. Dude, I, I would pay for that to happen. Man, that'd be, <laughs> that would be a sight to see. Well, it wouldn't be nothing for a multi-billionaire to pay me to do that. My so. energy would be through the roof. Uh, <laughs> man, I don't know. We're going to have to come up with something. Let's do it. <laughs> but um, So for those of you who don't know, Justin, he is a freaking just insurance industry maniac, like disruptor, doing massive things in the Medicare space. Um, and you've been in the industry for how long now, Justin? Uh, we're coming up on a decade right now. I am personally. A decade. Yeah. Wow. A decade. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, time, time flies, man. Yeah. So a decade. And you were in the you were in the uh, military before that, right? Yep. Eight years in the Marine Corps before that. So that's how old I am. I've been an adult for 18 years now, I guess. Jeez. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so what is uh what what made you want to like switch out of what made you want to get in the insurance industry? You know, other like because you were in the military, right? Um, that's not like uh, I don't know if that's normal. You know, yeah. for people in the military, a lot of them I feel like stay you know there for until they retire and get a pension at age forty and, and are done. What yeah. made you want to leave and get into insurance? Well, I had kids, and my uh, my second duty station, I would be bouncing around the first duty station I went to Iraq but I was there for eight months and then I was back uh, my second duty station my last four years my daughter was born there in Tokyo we were in Japan and I would go places like every two months I'd go to the Philippines uh, I'd come home I'd go to Okinawa from we were in mainland Japan we'd go to Okinawa I'd come back uh, I'd yeah. go to South Korea I'd come back I'd go to Thailand I'd come back go to Australia come back so I was getting to travel a lot but my family was staying in mainland Japan and um, you know there's times where you'd leave and your kids when they're that young they'd forget who you were because they're so young like they're like they kind of remember you but you the bond is not there um, and yeah. so I just realized like this is probably not the lifestyle for um, you know having a family so when I got out and got into insurance it wasn't about you know trying to um, it, my, my first goal really was just replace my military income. You know, um, the, the, the switch was flipped when, uh, you know, I entered something where I had all, I'd never been rewarded. So the, the correlation between the reward and the amount of effort you put into something had never been there like it was in the insurance industry. And then there are other, other industries that do that. Um, but the insurance industry gave me like, Oh wow. Like when I, go out and commit to something like I make more money. It's not like some sort of rubric that's created by people that, you know, like in the military, give you an example, like there's really stupid people that would be really good at physical fitness tests and like they'd get promoted really fast. And I didn't, I didn't struggle to get promoted at all. Like there was not an issue with that. Um, but there were people that get promoted like super fast over years that would be your boss that were incompetent and should not have been in that role. But yeah. in, in insurance, like it didn't matter who, like somebody could recruit you in and in no time you could be making more money than them just by your own effort. Right. So that was, um, that, that flipped a little switch for me, changed what, uh, what I thought was possible. So, um, you know, but that, that was the reason why, you know, I wanted to be around kids, wanted to replace my income uh, and then 
the the other side of that is, you know, it, it flipped a switch when I started getting rewarded for things that I wasn't rewarded for before. Right. Yeah, that's um, and I'm sure those a lot of a lot of the qualities that you that you had like to go into the military a lot of like the discipline and i'm sure a lot of that kind of set you up to just come in and just i mean especially in insurance any industry but dude especially insurance there's like a lot of people who just strive to be average you know you already had the you know i'm sure the the uh daily uh schedule that you had to be on just like set you up to freaking just like it was a breeze coming in here and, and and just getting on the phones and and crushing deals. And yeah, we, so my my job was um, was decent level of intensity. So we uh, we had uh, I was already used to uh, being in some stressful situations. I was used to um, having to take initiative because not everybody in the military would, and so the people who were capable would kind of pick up the slack. And uh, I was. Uh, also very used to being held to an attention to detail standard so like i had to make sure that uh we were spending plenty of time you know like like i would write flight schedules every day and you know you'd take them to these majors and and lieutenant colonel that would tear your stuff apart and you'd have to go back well when you deal with that every single day and when i was in iraq it's seven days a week you're dealing with that every day you know eventually you're going to get better and better and better and you're going to make sure that you're paying attention to those details before yeah. you know you get tear, torn apart by somebody else that's you know kind of the uh, uh at the top that you don't want to get torn you know so, so so like coming into this i already had an attention to detail level that was good um yeah and what's funny is like detail like oriented work is not necessarily my strong suit like you we just took those r3 assessments in the room like i was a high right. high d high i person yeah. but it's funny because the job in the military made me be the detail person that i had to be which mm -hmm. when i first got an insurance helped me and then the di kind of came out the 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 driver influencer right the yeah. high motivation level came out uh, it had kind of been suppressed in the military but in a way that it made me sharpen maybe the skills that I didn't have um, and, you know, helped me early on, like find different lead sources and figure things out um, mm. that maybe if I hadn't been in the military, I wouldn't have been able to figure it out. I'd have been more like my brother just running through walls, you know, um, and, and we need people to run through walls for sure. Um, Donnie will run through a few walls. He will run through some walls. So, but yeah, it definitely helped me. Um, now I probably have lost some of that detail orientation because I have other people that do a lot of that. And sometimes I think I needed to get a little bit of it back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, the um, resources, having having like the common sense to reach out and, and find people that have resources. Like, okay, this isn't working. Why don't I, you know, go find this that may work or this, you know, lead source or this mentor, or, you know, I think that's something that's propelled me to be successful, to kind of like live on my own terms and yeah. um, be able to kind of figure my way, my way out um, of the, you know, the rat race. And you kind of mentioned it there, like that the military, you know, that was, that was one of the qualities that, that allowed you to come in and be able to kind of uh, transition if need be. 
I mean, how important would you say that is for somebody to to have like that that type of quality to to know? Because a lot of people do. They're like, oh, this isn't working, you know, and then they just don't rely on being creative to actually figure out a solution. Yeah, they just rely on like other people. Yeah, you I know. think those different quadrants of your personality, if you're coming in as an individual producer into uh, into insurance, you know, a lot of the guys that come into it are uh, are very, you know, motivated individuals, but they don't have the aptitude to sit down and take the time. And it's not that they don't have the ability to have the aptitude. They've never exercised that muscle. Um, by the same accord, sometimes you get people that come into the to any industry, but insurance to uh, that are very detail oriented, but then they can't get outside of their head because they're consist they're constantly analyzing and they get that uh, paralysis of analysis and they can't you know put one foot in front of the other and just begin to have the conversations they need to have that that uh, they get that um, what do you call it um, uh, you know uh, re the reluctance to pick up the phone phone reluctance right so they don't want to to pick up the phone and start dialing they don't want to dock on doors you know whatever they have to do to get in front of the next person they're very detail oriented so they're going to be you know polishing up their llc documents and you know getting their website and brand and all that stuff like that's the super detail oriented guy i never yeah. really thought much about that uh early on i did think about um you know knock on the door you know uh pick up the phone and then, but I had enough of that detail orientation from the military to say, okay, now I need to know how can I affordably get in front of more doors and like live lines or phone calls, right? Uh, and so that's when I got into Facebook and the face, the detail orientation early on helped me figure out Facebook ads. So it absolutely is all about, you know, trying to round out your weaknesses when people take those personality assessments. So I, I've taken them several times and over time I, I've, I believe in them more and more because they're not about, it's not like a horoscope where you read it and you're like, yep, that's me. You think, okay, okay, I, I can agree with that. So let me mm -hmm. figure out ways to round myself out. Let me figure out ways. And if, you, if you're if you at a, a different stage where you have the ability to hire those things out, well, then it's hiring people that can round that picture out. Hiring the people that bring stability to the organization, hiring people that bring the detail uh, oriented side to the the equation, the creative side, all that kind of stuff. So whatever your your weakness is, you have to hire that out. Um, but mm -hmm. it definitely helps when you can try to round yourself out too, so that you can see the world through the eyes of it, other people, not just yourself. Right, dude. Those R three assessments were fucking. I I haven't taken a personality assessment like that before. I've taken a disc assessment. I just feel like the R three was super in depth. You know, you're yeah. You get your your results back, and I'm like, holy shit, wow, that is uh, pretty pretty damn accurate. Well, I like uh, the fact that it gives you the three different uh, results, and and one of them is like your mm -hmm. default, like who you are as a, as a person, and then one of them right. is like how the world perceives you or how you think yeah. you have to be perceived. Right? I like right. those different um, vantage points. That was I've never taken one that had that involved in. Yeah. It. Yeah, and then gave you a name at the end. It yeah. gave me the uh, persuader. I think you said you were the concluder. I'm the right? I'm a concluder. <laughs> so in conclusion, I am a concluder. In conclusion, <laughs> I am a multi-billionaire. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Um, so about Facebook ads. So now in the you know you guys have built a really large business. You'll do how much will you guys do this year? Uh, revenue I mean, this year. The revenue goal this year is ten million. Uh, we were on mm -hmm. track 
easily with kind of coasting to do eight and a half million. Right. So with like digital marketing changing, Facebook always changing, and all these platforms always changing and people having to adapt, what would you say is like, what would you say is the go-to marketing strategy right now in, in 2022? It's it's probably more competitive than, yeah. you know, I've seen it um, because of the volume of people that are coming in and every time something works, marketers exploit it. And so it becomes more and more expensive to partake in it. There are still right. niches that people find. Um, the most expensive thing you can do is not be testing new things all the time, mm. um, you know, because you got to find those lanes. It's like um, I know Tony Robbins has a book about where, where I think it's Money Master the Game, and he talks about uh, the biggest investors, like investing winners of all time, said mm. that the like the like I don't remember what the I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this quote, but it was something like eighty percent of their entire profit margin was made in a cumulative fifteen days over forty years. So what does that mean? They were in the market at the right time. The most expensive thing that they could not could do was to not be in the market because you never know when that day is, right? Well, in mm -hmm. marketing, the most expensive thing you can do is not be finding the home runs in marketing, right? Because you mm -hmm. you might be um, you know, you might be having mediocre results here. You might have expensive results here. Um, but if you keep trying new things, you'll find a home run and then you'll just push that pedal to the metal on that one until it doesn't exist anymore. Then you go out and you keep trying new things and then you have to find home runs. And we've had several home runs. We have things that are working good right now. Um, but I always tell people to always be branding anytime that they can incorporate brand into their marketing strategy. The brand is the gift that keeps on giving. And that's a hard thing for people to see because it might take five, six years before that brand right. starts to really do anything. Um, right. But the most, one of the most expensive things you can do is not be branding all those marketing things. So number one, most expensive thing you can do is not try new stuff all the time. Number two wow. is, um, is not branding what you are doing. Yeah. So that brings up an interesting point. So some people tell like, I, I hear a lot of people say, you know, I don't want to go and try this new marketing tactic. Like, I don't know if it works, but I know this guy's using this tactic and he's making money off it. So I want to do that. So let's say somebody's coming into an industry, right? Whether they're an insurance, solar, real estate, mortgage, whatever it is, right? And they only have like five or $10,000, you know, and they need to make money. Would you recommend that they, I mean, if somebody's like that, would, would you recommend that they try all these new, you know, marketing strategies or, or should they just stick to one that works and then test out the other ones when they actually get some more, some more cash flow? If they can find a lane that works, I would still be scaling that as fast as possible. But I would also recommend that they try to find another one. Like they should be testing some as soon as they can, even mm -hmm. if it's just a small amount. Um, it did used to be easier. Like you used to could test Facebook for five, 10 bucks a day. You really can't do that anymore. It's 50 to hundred a day just to get started on a campaign to see what it can do. Um, you know, so for a lot of people brand new, it's expensive, but you know, if it was easy, you know, everybody'd be a multi-billionaire, right? So, uh, it's not easy and you have to risk a lot. So when people are afraid of a new lead strategy and they're like, well, this guy's doing this because, and this works, first of all, think about like, who is this guy? What is he saying works? How mm. do you know it's for real? You know, because I, I know the inside out look at the majority of the people that are on the internet telling you what their lead strategy is. 
half of them aren't even using that lead strategy, you know, and half of them are exaggerating the results, you know, so there's really nobody, I, I would, I would say that there's maybe 2% of people that have a, a quality lead strategy that they're sharing because most people that are using a lead strategy and it's working really well, aren't sharing it, you know, cause right. they're trying to put the pedal to the metal. By the time they're sharing it, they've seen the point of diminishing returns. It's not quite as good. The best lead strategies are going to be the ones that people figure out on their own. Right. And that they sell in a course or you have to pay their. Yeah. Once you, once you see the course, like the course that's directed at one marketing strategy, those like right. one-off courses, and we've had them in the past, those one, one-off marketing courses, it's not that they don't work. It's that the results that they're advertising were probably, you know, a couple of years ago, it's probably reaching the point of diminishing returns right now. Right. Mm. Um, you know, so, and that's just the way it is. That's the way it all is. It doesn't mean that there's not value in the course. It really doesn't because you might take a course and learn something that helps you learn the next thing. And when you get into granular marketing, like digital stuff, it can be mm -hmm. one tiny tweak in the marketing strategy that makes the lead calls drop, you know, dramatically, right? It could be one detailed targeting concept that's slightly different. So learning what they're doing, seeing if you can get it to work and you're like, well, these lead calls are a little expensive. Now I'm going to A-B split test. I'm going to start a whole other campaign. I'm going to see what I can do on this other campaign. How can I drive the cost down, right? So it's always testing that. So it's not that those people that are selling that stuff are, are bad for what they're selling. They've probably had good results with it. I mean, it's, I would say half of them have. Half of them are completely full of shit, I'm sure. But, um, you know, half of them have probably had good results with it. It's just that if the results were, you know, turning $2 leads into, you know, uh, at, you know, at, at 25% closing ratios with lifetime values of, you know, $1,800 a client and good stickiness on the yeah. books and all that. Like, what's the point in even selling that? Like, because they could just continue to create the leads and whatever leads they couldn't work, they could sell to a call center for 60 or $70 a lead. And it just doesn't make sense that they would sell it if it's that quality. Like, and, and that's why when you looked at like the old Facebook course that, that I had, which is completely outdated now, we have it in GoGuru University and we continue to put new things in there. But the original mm -hmm. course I had was, um, it's outdated because the con, but the concept isn't outdated. What I was talking about was running reach video ads and using Facebook mm -hmm. like television so that you're branding through it. So it's not about a lead strategy. So marketing. Yeah. You know, and we saw this with AJ at 10X360. We were there. He talked about overarching marketing strategy. He talked about branding strategy and he talked about acquisition strategy or ad strategy, right? So that marketing strategy should be kind of the forefront. Like what is my overall marketing goal and what's my brand strategy? And if you're mm -hmm. using, you know, Facebook to brand and market overall, instead of worried about just an ad strategy and an acquisition, that's when you become a marketer and you're not just trying to extract data from a platform because the platform is always going to make it more and more difficult to extract data from it over time. But they want you to use it in a way that makes their audience feel better about what's happening there. So those lead ad concepts where people would just like steal, you know, data and then call the hell out of these people, it made people less likely to respond to that. And then the feedback made Facebook make it more expensive to even show it. And the combination of those two things 
plus reduced targeting because of congressional pressure over time made the Facebook platform more expensive to do business on. And it will get more and more expensive. So if you bought attention on the platform instead of a lead, then you got a an asset from the platform rather than a lead that you've already closed or lost now. Right. So and and they're they're both real, like having an ad strategy is good, but what if I can use my marketing and branding strategy to create a a base of people that see me so that I can extract that data in a more tasteful way over time that doesn't make them feel hoard out and makes them, you know, grow their their grow their brand affinity for me and my organization. Right. That's what Grant's so good at. That's what you were talking about when we were in Miami. It was like, dude, there's he might be he might understand it better than anybody in the world. It's like yeah. that that notoriety, getting your getting known because that's when you build your brand and people know you, that's going to be a lot. You know, that's one thing I've learned. Many of many things I've learned from him is like he's inspired me to want to just freaking put myself out there because worse comes to worse, you know, people eventually are going to are going to watch and obviously you built you built up a brand over the years now people just reach out to you guys and are just like hey can i work with you yeah you know um so how um if somebody doesn't know where to start where where would they where would they start would you would, what would you recommend somebody do to start building uh you know brand whether it's an insurance or whether it's you know um on, on instagram as a freaking you know they want to whatever they want to do yeah you know, well it's, so you know first if you if somebody's just saying i want to make money well, join the club. Most people do. Um, so become self-aware, figure out who they are. If they're, you know, a highly energetic, uh, closer type of person, they feel like that's what they want to do. Uh, of course, I think insurance is a great uh, market, but all markets are hard right now. Um, solar, real estate, insurance, like none of them are easy because there's a gold rush to solar. So like a ton of people were, were hopping over there and it becomes competitive, yeah. right? Um, real estate's the same way. The real estate market's on fire. So guess what? There's a lot of real estate agents. I get reached out to by real estate agents all the time talking about, I think I want to come into insurance because real estate's really hard. I'm like, well, insurance is hard too. Like it's all hard. Um, yeah. And so there's no easy niche. I'm never going to be the guy that tells people, oh, do this. It's so easy. Um, you know, you got to work, you got to work hard. And most people just don't have the grit to like pick up the phone and keep dialing. Right. Um, mm -hmm. but I do have an affinity for insurance because insurance is the gift that keeps on giving, you know, you can build up renewal based income over time yeah. where you step away from it and you're still making money. It's hard to do that in real estate until you get into the real estate ownership side. So when right. you're trying to make money off the get go, you, you're that you're not a real estate investor. Even Grant Cardone, who's selling Cardone Capital and trying to get real estate investors, he used to talk about like he would look for people that were like pilots, doctors, like these were the real estate investors. And now he does some crowdfunding, so he gets some smaller people, but that are that are doing that um, or different professions. But those people are at the top of those professions, right? So uh, my my thing would be whatever vertical you pick, pick it, go into it, and and commit to that vertical because they're all work. Do not hop verticals. Just pick one and go. Right. Um, the longer you do it, the 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 more um, business you get naturally, just through word of mouth. Right. And, and insurance yeah. is is absolutely that way. Um, my yeah. advice would be: don't chase like ch chase finding a lead strategy for yourself or a marketing strategy that brings you business today. 
but don't sleep on the the networking the the one-on-one networking the um you know the 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 old school stuff going to the bni groups joining the chamber of commerce building those repu those those um um whatever you call it, relationships with all kinds of people in your community because uh, i can tell you like the way we've built ours we get them we get all these branded leads and referrals and people calling in from all kinds of stuff from multiple places. But I still get from that first year, from first year or two when I was doing all my networking, still get referrals like crazy to our organization. I'm not even in there anymore. And they're just getting referred there um, by all those relationships we built early on. So make sure you're building your foundation strong. If you if you never listened to the three little pigs, you know, the three little pigs that had the guy, the, the one little pig that, what did he do? He built his house out of straw because it was fast and easy and the straw was light. You know, and then the next one built his out of sticks because it was like, well, this is a little bit harder. I'm going to build a little bit tougher. And the last one's like, I'm going to take my time. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to build it out of bricks. Right. The person that builds that strong foundation can yeah. deal with the big bad wolf coming through. And and, and that's it's funny because, you know, I think that was about teaching kids to work hard. But it's also about teaching business owners or entrepreneurs that sometimes the harder something is to build, the sturdier it is and the harder it is to blow blow down. Right. Um, you know, the easier you get popped up there and you're making money, the easy, the easier it is for that strategy that you have to not work anymore or to get blown away. So build a strong foundation that people can't take away from you. Right. I th that's, you, you know, the, the whole part about people trying to come over to insurance because they think it's easier. I'm going to go to real estate because it's easier. I'm going to go to solar because it might be easier. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, with, with social media technology, everybody wants instant gratification, you know, and it used to not be like that. People, um, you, you know, they they probably stuck it out a little bit more, but now it's like everybody has freaking, they just want to jump to whatever is, you know, is going to be easy. We're always looking for an easy way to get rich. Yeah. Right. Where, where are all the crypto millionaires at right now? Because I'm in crypto because I do, I do DCA into crypto, like just for for fun with fun money. I'm not a big, you know, I'm not like a crypto junkie, but I have a portfolio over there and it's down real bad. And all the crypto millionaires that basically were, uh, I'm, uh, here's the strategy. You just put it into all these and blah, blah, blah. And now they're all freaking down and they're all silent and they're not on the internet. It's the same thing with, uh, with your yeah. stock, your, your, what is, what is that other one? that people talk about the blips on the stock market. I can't even remember what they call it. You know, you know, they, they were, they recruit you into that MLM where they teach you how to for it. Oh, Forex trading for yeah. you get, you see all that stuff. And, um, it's like, you know, a down market comes and all of them are like, Oh, now I got to go to insurance or real estate. Or I'm like, that's going to happen guys. Like, I mean, if you're 18 years old and you're watching this Forex doesn't go up forever. Stock market doesn't go up forever. You know, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll rebound. And so from an investing standpoint, if I'm an investor, then it's okay to invest in that. And then, and when the dip comes, I, what I invested in, it should be money that I don't need anyway. And then it'll, it'll, I'll just keep putting it in like normal. And then now I'm buying at the dip and then, I, but you're like these people trying to time things and, and, and these people selling those concepts are, are going to be having to deal with that crap. I mean, the cool thing about, you know, selling Medicare supplements, Medicare Advantage, you know, um, life insurance, the it's very much like in this. And there are insurance products out there that suck. Um, but if we stick to Medicare Advantage, Medicare supplement, life insurance, 
very little that people can really complain about because I, mean, I would mm -hmm. say Medicare Advantage and Medicare Supplement are among the, the best health insurance you could have short of being like the president or, tri or having TRICARE for life or something, wow. right? And then, you know, life insurance does what it says it's going to do. You die, it pays out, right? So those are things that I don't have to worry about. It's the most, for me, it's the most um, like uh, sound and uh, solvent industry out there. And people that are talking about like social security solvency and all that stuff, dude, they're going to feel, they're going to keep funding social security and Medicare. There's, there's no way around it. They'll cut something else before they cut social security and Medicare because the entire voting population and all these old people are going to die if they don't. So they can't just like, that's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, they'll just yeah. keep moving the goalpost on it. So that for me is one of the, the cool things about insurance. The real estate market is the same way. If you're, if you're selling real estate, it's going to come down. There's going to be, now there's going to be people that can stand the test of time and stick through the real estate market when it's really down. And those are going to be the people that come out of it bigger than ever. But what happened in 08, all these real estate agents leave. You even saw it in insurance. It was so funny because there's always doomsdayers in insurance. So Obamacare was signed and all these people left insurance. Like that's the end of individual, you know, health and Medicare. And the people that stuck around got, you know, basically filthy rich because they were the only people in the market and there was way too many leads. And now we're back up where the market's full. And now they're starting to put some more regulation out there. When they start putting that more regulation out there, what do you think is going to happen? There's going to be people that leave. A lot of your 50, you know, your average insurance agent is 58 years old. So mm -hmm. a lot of those 58 year olds are going to sell their book, retire, get out because like, I'm not, I'm not going to adapt to this. I don't want to deal with this. Um, yeah. That's going to create a vacuum for more of us to come in and take that business. Yeah. And, um, that's, I mean, there's a huge, so there's a huge, huge market. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. The average insurance is 58. So, I mean, for, for us young folks, you know, we can really come in and, and, uh, I mean, you guys are already taken over. So you guys have done, you know, even with just, so what I, what I always tell people too, right. About the whole, um, you know, you want to get into crypto, you want to do this, get rich quick thing. Right. So what I did, what I would recommend somebody to do is just because I was one of those people like back five years ago, dude, I was like, oh, I got to do this, 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 and this. Like before I even got it, before I even knew you, before I even got an insurance, like I had to do like four things at once just to fucking, you know, make some money. Right. And then what I, what I realized is all you got to do is just, you got to fucking, you got to get into a lucrative industry, take massive action, find somebody who's actually been where you want to go and has a proven process that you can make money with. And then just double down on that and the whole time you're collecting data and then eventually you get so you get enough data where now you can scale and so for you guys obviously when you got into insurance you know you got you did seven figures pretty quickly and then now you have a team of uh i know you have like 28 employees right and then you have hundreds of hundreds of agents all around the country so what would you say was would be like you know for for you what was some of the keys that allowed you guys to explode so quickly i would say um, the biggest key was having the mindset of putting as a default before I even knew about all the things people tell you to put one foot in front of the other and stick to one vertical. I did not come into it with a, with shiny object syndrome. It was probably good for me that I didn't come into it thinking, Oh, I've seen all these internet millionaires. I'm going to go yeah. choose three or four verticals and I'm going to do solar. I'm going to do uh, crypto. I'm going to do all these things. Like I came into it, like I'm going to sell Medicare. That's what I'm going to do from the get go. And that's what I've done the entire time since. And so I've scaled one, one vertical. Um, sometimes when you hear people say, you know, you need seven streams of income, 
you don't need seven streams of income when you start. That's like, you know, the literal, like the, the, you know, the, the 50, 60, 70 year olds at that point, if they want to be billionaires, they need seven streams of income. They didn't say when you start out seven streams, you don't have enough resources or time or uh, attention to divide over seven streams at that point. You have mm -hmm. time to go into one. If you look at any of these, you know, huge billionaires and, and wealthy people out there, they didn't start off with seven streams of income. They started off going a mile deep into one niche. You know, Mark mm -hmm. Cuban software. He went he went head first into a software company until he built it huge, right? Uh, Elon Musk, I think, went first into PayPal and he built PayPal and sold it. It was one platform, you know. And these are tech, some of these tech guys, it's, it's obvious, but even like your Warren Buffett's, do you really think um, he, he, I mean, honestly, I don't even know what his streams of income now are because Berkshire Hathaway is an investment company. So over time, they started investing into different industries, right? But it's still always been investing. And from the get-go, it was dollar cost averaging over a long period of time with other people's money into, into the stock market. Um, you know, Grant talks about one thing being his staple thing. It's real estate. That's been the staple. He's got the other income. What do you think he uses the other income for? More real estate. It's always yep. been that staple, right? So, uh, you know, everybody I think has a staple industry and those, those other streams of income are more for down the line. Like now I do a little bit in the stock market. I do a little bit in, uh, well, really I do mutual funds and then I do a little bit into crypto, which is I'm willing to lose it all apparently. Um, you know, and then we do, I do some into an IUL. I have, um, uh, I have some into real estate, you know, that we do. Sometimes I want to sell all the real estate because the prices are up so much right now. But the idea that like, I didn't do all that right away and I still just tiptoe into it because the majority of my money goes right back into our business. Mm -hmm. So yeah. number one thing is stick to one thing, stick, find one thing and stick to it until you're like, Oh shit, I'm making money. Yeah. Stay focused, <laughs> stay focused on that one thing until you can blow up and then you can, you can really blow up. Right. Yep. So, well, dude, I really appreciate you, uh, you spending some time with me here this morning. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. If you guys want to go follow Justin at the Justin Brock on Instagram, also look up on his YouTube channel. He's always dropping gems on there. And, um, as always folks go out, rate the podcast, high energy ballers and subscribe. And, uh, we will check you later. Thanks guys. Recording stopped. Boom, baby. Dude, that podcast is going to make somebody a multi-billionaire. At least, at least three people. I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty soon they're going to make so many billionaires. Somebody's going to have to be a multi-trillionaire. I guess I don't, I don't know. know what's yeah. Well, that's why I say multi-billionaire because it's basically on the brink of being a trillionaire. That's right. Yeah. Well, multi-billionaire is like a like a minuscule billionaire. A multi-billionaire is like almost a trillionaire. Oh, multi. Got it. Multi. Yeah. So it's like uh, uh, like Elon would be a multi-billionaire. Bezos. Well, yeah, exactly. okay. Multi. Multi. On the brink of one deal, you know, all of a sudden, boom, trillionaire. Yeah. Got it. Well, I appreciate it, buddy. Appreciate you, brother. I'll, uh, when are you going to Miami? I'm going to be down there. Uh, I'm leaving next Monday. So, are you, yeah, I'll be down there. I'll come back. Uh, I'm coming back the night. Uh, the, I'm flying back like 8.30 that evening after it's over. So, yeah, Wednesday? Yeah. So, but, yep, I will see you there, man. See you there, brother. All right, bud. Bye. Uh, yeah.